Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. That which we whispered in the darkness a week ago can now be shouted and ought to be shouted. May the wondrous grace of our risen Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. When we hear our gospel this morning, we see a picture that is, is perhaps not yet at the start quite so triumphant. The infant church is still in shock. They are still mourning the death of Jesus. And all of a sudden, he up and surprises them all and rises from the dead. He had tried to prepare them beforehand. But to participate in the events of that very first Holy Week must have left all of their minds dazed and disoriented, unable to comprehend the wonder of it all that was waiting just ahead. And so here we are today in the wonder of what was ahead. Today is the eighth day of Pascha. And as the Blessed Father Alexander reminded us, this is the day of all days that corresponds most beautifully to the breaking through of the eschaton, the never-ending day of the kingdom of God. This is the eighth day of Pascha. Christ is risen. We are invited today, or rather we are commanded by our risen Lord to have peace on this day, not just peace in our hearts, but peace with the world, peace to all today. He comes among us, and he gives us that customary greeting, peace. And he does more than just says words to us today. He does more than just teaches us today. He asks us to touch and to see, to touch and to see the incontrovertible physical evidence of his resurrection. For his resurrection is not just a spiritual thing. His, this is not just spirituality we're talking about, as all the world wants us to have today. This is physical stuff. Christ is risen physically. It was a body that stood before them. It was not just spirit. It was not just some fuzzy spirituality. It was fleshy stuff. Christ is risen. He says, reach here. He says, touch my side where the spear was thrust, where the cruel nails were pounded through flesh and bone. He says, touch there in that place, that place which was a place of pain and has now become a place of resurrection. And might that encourage you in touching the places of your pain to know that there is resurrection for those places. He became incarnate. He came in the flesh. That's what that means. He came in the same stuff that you're made out of. He who was God came in the same stuff that you're made out of. And that is what our blessed St. Athanasius brought to us with clarity 
we are invited by living breath, not by spiritual fuzziness, but by living breath, we are invited to touch and to believe. And having given us the joy that comes from that touch, Jesus sends us forth as the Father sent him. He means for us today, on this eighth day, to be convinced and to have the power of our convictions made full of joy, not just for triumph, but for joy. He means for you to be convinced today so that you might believe and then go on from your belief to act on what you believe, to do what you think. Novel concept. A lot of thinking in this world today. A lot of talking in this world today. Not a lot of right acting. He wants us to be that way. He wants us to have that joy and to act upon it. But how does he find me so often? He finds me sometimes in the closed, dark spaces of doubt and fear. Worn out, all worn out. How many times have my kids heard me say, oh, I'm all worn out? I mean, everybody around me has heard, heard that. Worn out, hunkered down in fear and in doubt. We have so many of us been paralyzed from time to time by fear and by doubt. But the Lord will not leave you there. He doesn't mean for you to stay there so he won't leave you there. Even if we have shut him out, even if we have gone into those dark corners of our lives and hidden, hunkered down, he comes through doors and walls to meet us where we are. We close him out sometimes, but I'll tell you something, he never closes us out. He will come and get you. And the gentle Savior that he is, he does not mock us or put us down when he comes to us. But you know what he does? He offers you peace. He says, peace be to all. Wherever you are, he says, peace be to all. He reveals himself to us so that we might take courage from his courage. And he does not convince us with abstract academic proofs. This is not a, uh, a religious studies class that we're going to. This is the Son of God that we're coming before. This is not a debate that we're going to. This is not a political party where you're being convinced of things. This is the Son of God who says, peace be to all. And he convinces us by the breath of his Holy Spirit. But a remarkable paradox is here. For him, our crippling doubts are an opportunity to show himself. He lifts up our doubt just like he lifted up dirt. He summons up doubt like he summoned up dirt to make it a healing bomb. And you know what else? Like he summoned up dirt to create, to create you. He lifts up the dirt of your doubt to transform it into something else. He looks to transform it into a vehicle for your salvation and for the revelation of his resurrection. 
Christ is risen. He is risen and such a wonderful paradox this is. This is so very much like our Lord. It is his way. He takes the honest, curious doubt of the inquirer. And over a period of time, he takes the questioning and the doubt of the catechumen and of all of our hesitations in faith. He takes them as an opportunity to prove our faith in him. Remember that. Your doubts, when you have them, and I, I'm sure none of you have doubts at any point in your life about our Lord or about yourselves or about your purpose in life. Your doubts are an opportunity for saving faith. If, and there is an if here, because he doesn't want you to wallow in the doubt. If you stay faithful to Christ in your doubt, if somehow or another, best you can, you come to him and expect an answer from him. Last night at Great Vespers, we all heard a very curious thing. In one of the hymns, Oh, the delicacy of the beautiful unbelief of Thomas. Delicacy of unbelief? I mean, this is counterintuitive. The delicacy of the beautiful unbelief of Thomas as coming from the heart of an unbeliever to knowledge, he cried out with fear, My Lord and my God, glory to thee. And later on we heard, What a miraculous wonder that lack of faith becomes conviction of faith. What a miraculous wonder. John did lean against the word's bosom, yet it was Thomas, it was Thomas the doubter, who was made worthy to probe into his side. Your doubts are probes, if, if you do them in faith somehow. Your doubts are probes into the side of Christ. And what will you find when you probe into the side of Christ? You will find belief. You will find joy. So St. Thomas gave a worthy confession to his Lord. He said to Christ, Thou art my Lord and my God. And most of the hymns from, from his day say that he didn't just say it. You know, my Lord, my God. It says he shouted it. Like we say, Christ is risen. We don't just kind of, you know, nonchalantly say that. I mean, how could you? How could you? Thomas went on from that room with boldness. And he went on to the far corners of the world, even to distant India. He went on to proclaim that Jesus, risen from the dead, is both Lord and God. And not only did he go on, but no more did he hesitate. He went forth in power along with the whole infant church. We should not be smug about his doubt and, and refer to, I don't want to hear doubting Thomas anymore. I am so over that, that whole concept, that that, that doubt was something we should be smug about and look at him. Because that doubt of his was an opportunity. And, you know, who of us has not doubted way more? But in the years following Thomas, that confession was tested. It didn't come easy to the world to hear that. It was tested. It was tested not only out in the world, but in the church. 
This train is bound for glory. That confession was tested inside the church and outside. Outside the church, it was tested because bloody persecution came at us. But inside the church, the church was tested by the cancer of heresy. Heresy that came from occasional doubts and then opinions to answer those doubts. You don't answer your doubts with an opinion. Here's what I think about it. You answer your doubts with faith in the truth, in the risen Christ as he is, not in some heretical opinion. Well, Thomas's confession of Jesus as Lord and as God, as true incarnate God and true man, that confession had no more faithful champion than it had in St. Athanasius of Alexandria, our beloved patron and our protector, whose miracle-working relics we celebrate this day. And what a joyous collocation of holidays that is, to have the celebration of the relics of our patron and to have the celebration of the, the doubt turned into faith of Thomas. Faith in the risen and incarnate Lord. We have a fragment of the relics of St. Athanasius, whose miracle we celebrate. We have a fragment on the altar of this community. And that physical reality, that physical reality of a saint of God, somehow connects this day to me. Somehow or another, that physical reality of the presence of our patron and where is he? Is he just sort of dead, dead, and gone, gone, in limbo somewhere, awaiting something? Or is he alive with Jesus in eternity? He who's a, who a piece of, of bone we have on the altar stands with Christ and will be in eternity for all eternity. That physical reality connects us in a mystery. It connects this community. And as we confess our risen Lord today, if we confess him truly in any measure, it is because of that holy North African whose words reached from antiquity and reached forward and touched us, again somehow in a mystery. Can dead bones live, as we heard? Can dead bones live? Can the dead walk again on earth? Can the dead stand before Christ? You bet your life they can. And that is what we have been captured by here, by that blessed St. Athanasius. And when we say the Nicene Creed later on, that he penned himself, he as a young deacon, 19-year-old kid, I mean, more than a kid, good heavens, Talk about a prodigy. When, he, when we say that creed that he penned, we say it as if it is a war cry against the devil and against all error, and that is what it is. And today, we really ought to say it like it's a war cry, because that's what it is. And it came from a clear encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. 
that resounding confession truly wipes away all doubt and all error are wiped away by that true confession that our patron has given us. Today, St. Thomas and St. Athanasius pass that on to you like in a relay. It is as if the baton has been handed to us all. And do we affirm it? We better. We better not drop the baton that's been passed to us. So on this eighth day of the glorious resurrection, we stand with St. Thomas and St. Athanasius to shout and sing to our Lord and God. Mourning and doubt are transformed into confession and praise. St. Thomas and St. Athanasius have led us to Jesus. And may we press on together with them through the challenge of our doubts to meet the risen Lord and to proclaim the resurrection to the entire world. For your doubt is an opportunity to prove your faith. But hesitate no more in doubt, for Christ is risen, and we have met him, and we have touched him in this place. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed.